Welcome to the community-supported Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Mother Jones Radio, ABC News, The Tom Hartman Show, Scarborough Country, yeah, you heard me right, and Rachel Maddow. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its word in my heart that I might not sin against God. This is Mother Jones Radio, digging deep to bring you real news. This is Mother Jones Radio. I'm Angie Coiro. What if you wanted your children pretty much untouched by the world? Well, you could choose to homeschool them, but they can't always be at home. Sometimes, as is true for all good, healthy kids, they need to go away to camp. And what if that camp were Jesus Camp? We can find that out now from filmmakers Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. They are the co-founders of Loki Films, and they have the new documentary out. Jesus Camp. Welcome, Heidi and Rachel. Hi. This is a fascinating documentary study of a camp that is run by a very personable minister who ministers specifically to children. Of all places, it's held in a place called Devil's Lake. Very ironic. Very ironic. Rachel, how do you tell somebody, in short definition, what this film portrays? We, you know, Heidi and I stumble trying to like give the, the the elevator pitch is how how these short ones are described because there's really two stories going on. There's the, the smaller story, the A story, which is a group of children that go to an evangelical summer camp in North Dakota, and the story of Becky Fisher. She's the woman that runs the camp and her ministry. And then there's also the the, the larger B story that we interweave throughout the film, which is. Um, gives context to this camp and to the people that go there of the um, growing power of the evangelical community and their influence on politics. Heidi, how growing is this? Are the people that we're seeing depicted emblematic of a much larger group, or are they a strange little side cult that most religions would disavow? Well, I I wouldn't call it um, the mainstream, and I wouldn't call it a fringe or a cult. I think that Bible camp uh, is extremely popular amongst evangelicals of all stripes and denominations. And, um, you know, Becky's camp is definitely more extreme and and even radical than than most camps. However, after every screening we have, and in every town we've, we've screened it in, inevitably, invariably, someone walks up to us after and says that they went to a camp that wasn't that different than that. So I'm not really sure, you know, um, how widespread the, the camp experience is. But I think the film, um, why it's, I think, provoking such conversation is that it brings up greater issues and almost as a metaphor for a sort of the growing influence of the um, evangelical and very religious viewpoints, which I think are have sort of become um, much more prevalent in our culture. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily just about the camp itself, but about sort of where we are going as a nation and sort of the, com- the confluence of, of religion and politics in the country today. 
Let's talk a little bit about this primary character. Becky Fisher is the minister that so much of the film focuses on. She does. She's a Pentecostal children's minister, as she mm-hmm. calls herself. This is not a narrated film. It is. It is revealed through the words of the participants themselves, mm-hmm. and some of hers are very produ- provocative. Talking about children, she says, they are so usable in Christianity. And mm-hmm. then contrasting Christians to Muslims at one point, she says, excuse me, but we have the truth. She is an incredibly powerful character. And we knew when we met her, we had the makings of a very provocative and interesting film. She is on a mission, and she's on a mission from God. And there is something about that combination that makes someone... Um, you know, Heidi and I couldn't take our eyes off of her. Everything that came out of her mouth was provocative and uh, had had some, you know, even it, from our secular point of view, had some meaning to it. You know, we could sort of relate to a lot of the things she was saying. That's Rachel Grady. She and Heidi Ewing are behind the new film Jesus Camp. Heidi, talk to me about your approach to the film. When you knew that you had someone like Becky who could say these provocative things, did it go back and forth in your mind as to whether you should make this a point-counterpoint film? Did you think about, I know that you brought in Mike Papantonio of Ring of Fire, which is here on Air America, and, and he provides some sort of balance to the equation, but did her very provocativeness cause you some, some doubt or some pause as to how you were going to present this? Well, you know, it, it, it sort of, um, it, it was interesting to have a character like Becky Fisher because, she was so articulate and so mesmerizing and so fantastic as a documentary film character. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's up to the filmmaker to um, capture the essence of someone and put it forth in, you know, a 90-minute film. We shot hundreds of hours of footage, and we shot a lot of material with Becky. Of course, most of the material didn't make it into the film, as it, as it goes with a verite film. And so, yeah, it, it's, a very, it's a very heavy burden uh, as a filmmaker to know what to include and what not to include. Include because we all know that things can be edited in a certain way that can give the wrong impression or not or an inaccurate presentation. So we really went through the interviews with a fine tooth comb over and over and over again, and we tried very hard not to make edits within statements that she was making. So we would let them run longer than normal. And we were extremely conscious that some of this material could be perceived as explosive. So we were very um, aware of the responsibility to portray accurately what we were seeing and experiencing and try to uh, express her message um, the way that she expressed it to us. What does she think of the film? You know, she is promoting the film. She just showed it to her um, ministry back in North Dakota, and they love it. And she, I think she was very relieved and thrilled about that. But, you know, she's, um, it's going to be tough for her because what she's doing is quite controversial, even within the evangelical world. So um, she's going to have to sort of get some tough skin, and it's going to be a tough road for her. But that said, she loves the movie, and I think she's really excited about having been part of it. Jesus Camp is already open in some selected cities, and it's going to open nationwide this coming week. I want to thank Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.
the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, hallelujah. Thanks, Sam. Well, now summer camp, but with a difference. There is a new documentary called Jesus Camp. It takes us inside a camp in North Dakota that is electrifying the culture wars offering a look at an evangelical Christian movement that has had some people asking, what is the line between teaching children to believe and brainwashing? Uh, that's what the critics have alleged. Chris has been tracking all of this. Chris, start us off. Very, very important. You probably think you know what happens inside of a summer camp, but at Kids on Fire Summer Camp, they're not exercising their bodies. They're exercising their souls. They're training to become warriors in the fight to take back America for Christ training where these well-intentioned instructors, uh, instructors sometimes use some unorthodox methods. Welcome to the Real Life Jesus Camp, a North Dakota camp for evangelical Christians. These kids are learning how to be true Christian soldiers. In Jesus' name, do not let Satan get you off what God has for you. Instead of telling ghost stories around the campfire, here, children as young as age six speak in tongues. And bless a cutout of the president. Come up here and get washed. Camp pastor Becky Fisher says the point of the camp is to encourage attendees to take back America for Christ. I want to see young people who are as committed to the cause of Jesus Christ as the young people are to the cause of Islam. At Jesus Camp, it's all Christian values all the time. Even Harry Potter doesn't make the cut. And had it been in the Old Testament, Harry Potter would have been put to death. While Potter is not okay, politics are highly conservative Christian politics. No more! No more! Issues like abortion are taught in graphic fashion. God and abortion and send revival to America. And political protests become like field trips for the campers. I feel like we're kind of being trained to be warriors, only in a much funner way. Some moderate Christians, including radio talk show host Mike Papantonio, fear the children at Jesus Camp are being used as political pawns by adults with an agenda. There is a religious political army of foot soldiers out there that are being directed by a political right. But camp founders insist they're doing God's will, spreading his message. And with the gradual nationwide release of the documentary, their message will be ringing out one movie theater at a time. And we are joined now by Becky Fisher, who is pastor of Kids on Fire, and one of her critics, Mike Papantonio, radio talk show host on Air America. And we thank you both for coming. Thank, thank you. you. Pastor Fisher, got to start here. Looking at those pictures, I know you have said you want them young. You yes. want them seven to nine years yeah. old. But these kids waking themselves emotionally, talking about dying for God. Can this be good for kids? Uh, you have to understand the Christian community and what's going on as far as the insider language, if you will. What you see as far as the emotion, for one thing, is fairly typical in charismatic communities. What you also see is is that these children, it's, it's not it's so much their emotions on the issues, although you do see that, but what we're looking at is children who are passionate about their faith. Is this just passion? Mm -hmm. Mr. Well, I, I don't know that I'm so much a critic of Becky.
Kentucky. I'm more of a critic of the, the, the idea that you have televangelists that are they're trying to merge politics with religion. Anytime you do that, the success and failure of religion is tied to the success and failure of politics. You know, That's what really bothers me. For most of us watching, I think there is a big question about these kids. I'm going to play another bite of a young girl here. And uh, again, she is wailing about her condition and the condition of the world. What happened? Pray it out, For me, what strikes me when I see this is not just as a parent, but as somebody who was raised Christian, you always yes. think that the message to the kids is about love, Jesus' message of love. Yes. And you worry when you see them like this that it's a different message that they're getting. They're so torn up about it. What you saw, they are passionate about what we're seeing. What you were, what you were seeing right there is where the children are passionate about things like drugs and things like uh, divorce mm -hmm. in our nation and, and all the evils. Children are very cognizant of, of those things. They're much smarter than we give them credit for. And so that was that whole service right there. We were talking about all the evils, if you will, of just society uh, that touches their lives. You know, and the politics of it aren't what really, I think, is, is the main issue. I mean, for you, when you talk about the politics, why shouldn't? Christians, evangelical Christians, organize around their faith. Well, Everybody yes. else does, whether you're, it's religious sure. or political or economic. Everybody organizes they, around They it. certainly have that right to do that. But when they start imposing that on, on everybody's family, let me give you the best example I can. There is part of Christianity that says, well, we don't want blood transfusions. We don't even want medical care. They, they teach generation to generation that we should not have blood transfusions. Well, that's fine for them to teach that to their children. It's time for, to, do, to, to live that. But when they start imposing that by way of legislation on my family, I think then I'm affected by that. When they start saying we want a Supreme Court judge who's going to follow my politics, then, then that, that goes beyond their mere belief. If you're Amish, you choose to, to use a, a horse and buggy carriage. That doesn't mean I should have to use a horse and buggy carriage, and they shouldn't legislate that. And that's what's happening with the what I call, it's not the evangelical movement. The evangelical movement is doing great work in this world. They clothe people, they house people, People, they feed people. Yep. But there's a different edge to it that, that, that people miss. Let me turn back, Pastor Fisher. Yes. There's a moment at which they bring in a cutout of President yes. Bush. Yes. And the children again are passionately yes. weeping and praying for him. Would you do this for President Clinton? Absolutely. Here's what you don't see, the teaching that we give the children. You have to understand that the Bible tells us to pray for those who are in authority over us. To pray for all of those in government. And, and whether they're good leaders or bad leaders. And, and so that we might live in peace. In fact, when that scripture was written, the uh, leaders of the day were killing and persecuting the Christians. And, they, and, and that's when it was spoken. You pray for those people anyway. But part of the message, of course, of Christianity is tolerance. Mm -hmm. And part of teaching kids is teaching them to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. Is this teaching them tolerance and thinking for themselves? You know what? This is such a fascinating thing. It seems like people think kids are going to grow up in some kind of an ideolo uh, ideological vacuum. And then when they're 12 years old, we can present them with these heavy ideas and then they can make a choice. That's absolutely ludicrous. They are bombarded on every side from TV to the music they listen to to the books they read with all types of ideologies from 
from witchcraft to evolution to morality and all. And so to say that we should not say anything to them because they can't understand mm. it difference is... difference between saying anything and, again, a, a camp at which they are so clearly, as I say, emotionally... Uh, emotionally overwhelmed at times by what they're being told. You know, I think to some degree what ends up happening is when you when you lead a child to believe, for example, that some of these children are homeschooled, they're led to believe that the earth is 6,000 years old when in fact it's 4 billion years old. The problem with that is, when, is they, they then relate that to their religion. And when it, it's not the same thing of suspension of disbelief when we're talking about the Easter Bunny. This is a fundamental part of science and they grow up and they understand, well, they haven't been honest with with me. What is that? How does that shape their faith? Final word here. Mm -hmm. Quick question. Is it just merging politics and religion? I can't even speak to that because until I saw myself through the eyes of secular people, I didn't even see it as political. I saw it as biblical. And because even even things like praying for abortion, it, to us, of course, it's a political issue. But the Bible constantly talks about the shedding of innocent blood and how God abhors that. And so we're teaching children to value life based on the word of God. So merging church and politics obviously happened. You know what? As a Christian, I can't divorce my feelings in the in the voting poll if I truly believe what I believe on Sunday. I can't leave that at check it at the door and now go vote. Just when you thought it was safe to go to the bookstore again, along comes word that Newt Gingrich has written a new volume on the place of God in the nation's capital. It's called, the title of Newt's new book, Rediscovering God in America, Reflections on the Role of Faith in Our Nation's History and Future. And in this book, what he does is basically he travels around Washington, D.C. and says, oh, look at this landmark, uh, this is what that means. And uh, look at this, this is what that means. And, and that sort of thing. For example... He says the uh, 1963 Supreme Court, he's talking about the Supreme Court. He says the 1963 Supreme Court ruling that said that it was against the law to, to force children to listen to a Bible reading in school every morning was a five to four decision, implying that there was a lot of debate about it on the court and that maybe if we just get you know one more good conservative judge on, we could undo it. Now, in fact, uh, it was a, uh, an eight to one decision. There was only one dissenter. Uh, he also said that, uh, boy, this is, Gingrich, I mean, this is, sometimes it's, tra it, it would be funny if it weren't so tragic, because he's taken so seriously, and he's on, I mean, he's just doing the media blitz on this thing right now. He says that in the Supreme Court, the Ten Commandments and Moses are prominently displayed in the United States Supreme Court. Now, that would make you think that there's like, you know, a statue in the Supreme Court of Moses holding the Ten Commandments, and you can actually read them, you know, uh, honor your father and mother and have no gods before me and you, know, you shall not deny people a right to have weapons. Oh, no, that's the other one. Yeah, but <laughs> see, see, that's the problem. There are only two of the Ten Commandments that actually 
are part of law. You know, don't steal and don't kill. I guess you could argue that uh, it's against the law in certain contexts in some ways to covet your neighbor's wife, but uh, I don't think coveting is actually specifically banned. It's not against the law to diss your to diss your parents. It's not against the law not to have a single god. It's not against the law to make graven images. Uh, basically, out of the Ten Commandments, only two of them are part of law. And as Thomas Jefferson pointed out, they were part of law before before Christianity came to England. He talks about you know Jefferson uh, talking about the arrival of Christianity in England. He says this is a February tenth, eighteen fourteen letter to Dr. Thomas Cooper. He said, finally, in answer to Fortescue Allen's question, why the Ten Commandments should not be now a part of the common law of England, we may say they are not because they never were. Anyone who asserts that the Ten Commandments are the basis of British law was mistakenly believing a a document that was a manifest forgery. The reason is simple. British common law, on which American common law was based, existed before Christianity had arrived in England. As Jefferson writes, Sir Matthew Hale lays it down in these words, Christianity is parcel of the laws of England. But, he says, it couldn't be. He says, quote, but Christianity was not introduced until the 7th century, the conversion of the first Christian king of the Heptarchy having taken place about the year 598, and that of the last at 686. Hence, here, the, here then was a space of 200 years during which the common law of England was in existence and Christianity was no part of it. We might as well say that the Newtonian system of philosophy is a part of the common law as that the Christian religion is. In truth, the alliance between church and state in England has ever made their judges accomplices in the frauds of the clergy and even bolder than they are. So Jefferson was pretty, you know, pretty outspoken that uh, the... You know, the British common law and American law, for that matter, is not based on the Ten Commandments. In fact, he says, it was not the sacred volumes that the churches have thus interpolated, gutted, and falsified, but the works of others relating to them and even the laws of the land. Our judges, too, have lent a a ready hand to further these frauds and have been willing to lay the yoke of their own opinions on the necks of others to extend the coercions of municipal law to the dogmas of their religion by declaring that these make a part of the law of the land. In other words, he, I mean, this is back in, in 1814, uh, January 24th, 1814, letter to John Adams. He's talking about how these guys are running around saying that Christianity is the basis of American, the American Constitution, when in fact it isn't. He was there. You know, his, his protege, James Madison, wrote the thing in large part. But it, most interesting, in Newt Gingrich's new book, he's out running around talking about this stuff. And he talks about the the uh the Jefferson Memorial this this monument the Jefferson Memorial and you can go stand in the Jefferson Memorial and look up and etched in in a circle around the top of the Jefferson Memorial is a quote from Jefferson and it actually in fact is a quote from a letter in 18 1800 to Benjamin Rush who was a dear friend of of uh, Jefferson's in fact in the letter, he asked Rush not to share it with anybody because it was just two months before the election, and he thought the letter was pretty inflammatory, and he didn't want it to, to get out, as they say. And uh, so, anyhow, here's the, 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 the language, and this is what Gingrich points out. He says, uh, uh, Jefferson said that, where did it go here? 
Jefferson said, da, 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 da. holy cow. Yeah, here we are. The I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. Okay, so this is what's at the top of the Jefferson Memorial. It's etched all around the top of the... And, and it sort of sounds like Jefferson is like, you know, thumping on the Bible and he's talking about God and, you know, God is the basis of our... Well, the real story, the real story of that quote is going to bug your eyeballs up. We return now to the topic of Jesus camp and the culture wars raging once again. Yesterday we showed you scenes from a controversial new documentary. If you missed it, here are some of them again. They are scenes of young children being taught about abortion, scenes of young children as young as six in anguish over the sins of America, speaking in tongues. Scenes of children overwhelmed with emotion, sobbing for their sins, and all of it at an evangelical Christian summer camp where they are being taught to be warriors for God. We said these are the images that got everybody talking. We got thousands of emails, thousands of them. And you weighed in really on both sides, right, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, this is something that's going to provoke discussions about faith. This is something that isn't just a military camp. This is about doctrine and religion. And there was a really equal distribution. Uh, here's one viewpoint. Well, you can all have an opinion about what you saw, but I was one of them. It's not emotion those kids are having. They're truly showing the compassion of God for a messed up world. You know, that's from one of the kids. Mm -hmm. They say they were there. Now, the opposite viewpoint. I agree that our children and many of us adults should strengthen our faith to withstand corruption, but not at the expense of treating these impressionable kill kids to an emotionally hysterical indoctrination. And that issue about what we're doing to the kids, that raised a lot of questions about what's best for them. A short email to end this. Is it your purpose to frighten people? And I think what that question went to was, again, how the kids are treated. That's right. So was it the purpose to frighten? Did it frighten? Should it? On Wednesday, Chris and I spoke with Becky Fisher, who runs the camp, and Mike Papantonio, radio talk show host on Air America, who has criticized what they're doing. Here's more at that debate. But you're one thing when you're at church, and you're another thing when you're at school with your friends. You're a phony and a hypocrite. You do things you shouldn't do. You talk dirty just like all the other kids talk dirty. And it's time to clean up your act. Come up here and get washed. Because we can't have phonies in the army of God. If that's you, put your hands up here. Whoa, baby. Wash your hands. 
Father, we just wash them with the water of your word. We say no more, devil. I think when you look at what occurs at the camp, uh, there's a use of guilt, there's a use of shame. That's not directed all at Becky. I mean, what is a five-year-old capable of in the way of sin? I mean, he might... Repenting for... Yeah, repenting for sin, maybe stealing an Oreo from a cookie jar. One repetitive theme is a child crying, a child laying out on the ground and crying. But what are they crying about? Why does a five-year-old feel like it's necessary to cry about his, their sense of spirituality? I do not use guilt. I do not use shame or manipulation in those ways. Our children, here's one of the things. This is a very intense moment. These children are passionate about their faith in Jesus Christ. Most people don't have any emotion really going on in the religion at all. If this is their faith, if this is what they're about, what's wrong with it if nobody's getting hurt and these kids are getting inculcated at a young age? Again, this is not directed at Becky, but you have a movement, Chris, that's taking place in, it's, it's a part of the evangelical movement. It's not the entire evangelical movement. At the core of that religion is, they believe, and all of those religions believe, that when we do good work, the grace of God is invited to work. The same, the same thing is, is, is true in the way we deal with our children. We don't, have to, we don't have to shame them. We don't have to make them feel guilty. Take these prophecies and do what the Apostle Paul said and make war with them. the language that has people really upset about the war language that is very typical in Christian communities we're taught to fight the good fight of faith the sword of the spirit which is the Bible it's a whole vernacular we're in no way shape or form trying to get these kids to be militant and go out and strap on a bomb belt that is nothing further from the truth children are far more capable of understanding things than we give them credit for Becky I'll tell you what struck me about it is today as we sit uh, and, and talk about this issue. There are children, what they call child soldiers in Sudan, that, who carry AK-47s because for some reason they're emotionally led. They, they have this belief that it's us against them. They have this belief that, that their politics is right and the other politics is wrong. Well, they're led, they're led that way at five, six, seven years old, not by reason. They're not even at the age of reason. They're not able to discern the right between wrong. We're glad you're here. I want you to bless him. Speak a blessing to him. Once you do that, reach your hand to speak a blessing to him. Do some warfare over him. They have this cutout of George Bush, and they're laying prostate on the on the ground in front of George Bush. And I think it's wrong to do that with any leader. I, I think it's it's wrong to build up any leader in in this notion of they're anointed by God to do to to, to lead this nation. Right. I just don't believe that. watch it because it has witchcraft. I mean, Harry Potter is an entertainment. Warlocks are enemies of God. And I don't care what kind of hero they are. They're an enemy of God. And had it been in the Old Testament, Harry Potter would have been put to death. This isn't pornography or drugs. It's not. Actually, it, the Old Testament is full of references to witches and, and sorcerers, that they are enemies of God. And that's where that comes from. It's a whole doctrinal thing. Okay, Harry Potter. The world is in love with Harry Potter. I have no problem. I'm thrilled the boys are finally reading books, okay, because of Harry Potter. But making heroes out of a warlock who's an enemy of God, 
that's where the Christian community, not all Christians, but the people that I hang with, we have a problem with allowing our children. And our, here's the but deal. Be Becky, just I, a minute. No, because okay. i got to finish okay. this thought. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. But um, here's the issue. Our children in the Christian faith watch the same, uh, t they have to watch the same cartoons. Cartoons. Disney is one of the most blatantly witchcraft filled. And our children are exposed, speaking of brainwashing, our children are exposed to witchcraft on a daily basis. Through all of those cartoons, you can't watch cartoons, but what some kind of witchcraft comes up. You just take the time to watch them. You know what I And saw. so we have to counteract what they're, what they're seeing, you know. I am a father. And there, as a father, you have intuition about what you want to do with, with your child. And I, I think any time that you use that heavy hand, any time that you say, this is the way it must be, and I'm going to stop all other possibilities, I don't know that it's sustainable. I think as that child progresses and they learn and they, they gain a little bit of wisdom and world experience, they're too quick to, re to reject what's been hammered into them. We simply have to have a little belief in the grace of God to lead us in our way that we parent the child and the way we raise our child. Two sides of that issue. We ask our parent company, Disney, by the way, for a reaction to Becky Fisher's comments, and uh, Disney declined to respond to the pastor's words. So here it is. Here's the meme. Neil Gingrich is running around the country. He's doing all the talk shows. He's going to be on TV. You'll see him all over the place. He's got this new book out, Rediscovering God in America. And one of his favorite sound bites is quoting Thomas Jefferson, where Jefferson says, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. And Jefferson, in fact, did say that. He said it in a letter that he wrote to Ben Rush, Rush a dear friend of his, a physician, who was a deist and a Unitarian, as was Jefferson. And here's the letter that, he, that Jefferson wrote. Now, this is two months before the election. He writes, Dear Sir, I promised you a letter on Christianity, which I have not forgotten. I do not know that it would reconcile the genus... Irritable, irritable vatum, which is uh, Latin for angry priests, basically, who are all, vatum, the same root word as Vatican, who are all in arms against me. Their hostility is on too interesting a ground to be softened. And then he, and then he talks about the First Amendment, which, you know, guarantees freedom of religion. He said the delusion on the clause of the Constitution, which, while it secured the freedom of the press, also covered the freedom of religion, has given the clergy a very favorite hope of obtaining an establishment of a particular form of Christianity throughout the United States. And as every sect 
believes its own form to be the one true one. Everyone perhaps hoped for his own, but especially the Episcopalians and the Congregationalists. Then he refers to the probability that he will be elected president, which he refers to as the returning good sense of our country. He says, to continue, uh, there, there is no interruption in this. This is, this is a continuous letter that I'm, I'm reading to you. It's you know, no, no ellipses. He says, the returning good sense of our country threatens abortion to their hopes. And they, the preachers, believe that any portion of power confided to me, such as his being elected president, will be exerted in opposition to their schemes. And they believe rightly, for I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. But this is all they have to fear from me, but it is enough, too, in their opinion. You get that? Gingrich is running around saying that, here's the quote from Jefferson, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. Doesn't that show that he was a Bible-thumping Christian and that he thought that religion should be part of America? And in fact, the truth, the full quote was, The preachers believe that any portion of power confided in me, such as being elected president, will be exerted in opposition to their schemes, and they believe rightly, for I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. But this is all they have to fear from me, and enough, too, in their opinion. Camp is a documentary that's being sold as the first ever inside look at a religious summer camp in North Dakota where kids are being trained to become an active part of this country's spiritual and political future. Now, we're going to be talking to two of the people who are featured in this film in just a minute. But first, take a look at some scenes that many Christians and non-believers are finding offensive. Kids, you've got to change things. Boys and girls can change the world? Absolutely. There are two kinds of people in the world. People who love Jesus and people who don't. Speak the word of the Lord! Where should we be putting our focus? I'll tell you where our enemies are putting it. They're putting it on the kids. How long have you been a Christian? At five, I got saved. Yeah? Because I just wanted more of life. You go into Palestine and they're taking their kids to camps like we take our kids to Bible camps and they're putting hand grenades in their hands. Yeah. I got Jesus. Yes, I do. I got Jesus. How about you? How about you? There's an excitement, yet there's a peace with it all, too. 
It's really cool. I really feel that we're a key generation to Jesus coming back. And we are a generation that needs to rise up and run with that baton. Yeah. For those who would give up their lives for Jesus. Be God's army. There's a new church like this every two days in America. 25% of the American population, that's about 80 million people. If the evangelicals vote, they determine the election. They've taken over the White House, Congress, the judiciary for a generation. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Let's bring in Becky Fisher and all. She's a children's pastor and the director of Kids Ministry International and Mike Papantonio. Joe He's attorney and co-host of Ring of Fire on Air America and also my former law partner. Uh, Mike Papantonio, let me start with you. Do you have any problem with uh, the children that go to these type of camps? I, I don't have a problem with the children. The, the children are, you know, you can't help but really, really appreciate the I know, children. but I mean, people look at the children, they think they're being brainwashed. Well, there are many people that could look at that film and I think what they would say is there's really a heavy hand that's used in the way that the interaction takes place with these children. There's guilt that's used, uh, there's shame, there's this sense of what do you, really, what do you mean by that? Really raw manipulative uh, emotion. Well, I mean, if you take a look, how does a five-year-old, how, how do we how do we convince a five-year-old that they've sinned at all? Let's take another clip. Uh, look at a clip from Jesus Camp. mind and he just wants to take you and he just wants to love on you and he has special plans for you in your life and he just wants you to be able to follow him with your whole heart thank you you're welcome appreciate it welcome I mean, obviously, a lot of people would look at that scene and they would be concerned, saying, my gosh, they're sending little kids up there after brainwashing them. Well, who, who just sent that little girl? As far as I can tell on that clip, she walked up all, all on her own volition. That was her free choice. Her father and others set her up. Nobody else in that room set her up. That's something she wanted to do. Now, if you're going to tie that in with brainwashing, well, that takes us in a whole different direction. When people uh, see Jesus Camp, what they're doing is that it was through the lens of secular media people who had never seen anything like this before the the con the camp and conference that they just happened to come to it just happened to be that they came at a time when we were discussing some things that were obviously political in, in nature Mike Papantonio what's so wrong with Jesus camp well I don't think anything I, the, the camp is not as bothersome to most people uh, is is just the the idea that there is a new movement that's taking place and I think this 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 film portrays the, maybe the dangers of that movement. I think it's dangerous for religion to, to, to uh, join up with politics in any kind of setting because what ends up happening, Joe, is the successes and the failures of politics are always taking place. There's always rising and it's always falling. And when religion attaches itself to that, unfortunately, religion rises and falls with those politics. I you know what? The whole political thing is like, I don't want to get drug into this. Uh, they happen to bring some things up in the film that uh, obviously uh, were political in nature. I mean, people are all so up in arms, the, the fact that 
we trained children to pray over George Bush. I have a real issue with that. Tell me, what is the harm in our society if we teach a child to pray for the leaders of our government? Becky Fisher, Mike Papantonio, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. She also said that they had prayed for, uh, for a just legal system, and two weeks later, Sandra Day O'Connor retired from the bench and took that as a sign that maybe these kids' prayers were being heard. That raises many, many issues that uh, we'll talk about some other time. Keats and Yates are on your side. A dreaded sunny day, so I meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yates are on your side. Wild, wild is on mine. So we go inside and we gravely read the stones. All those people, all those lives, where are they now? But with love and hate and passions just like mine. They were born and then they lived and then they died. I want to cry You sir throws the sun down Salutation to the dawn And you claim these words as your own now it's time to talk about um, one of the scariest films that I have seen in a long time, and one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, it's called uh, Jesus Camp. It's a documentary about a religious camp in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And it's for kids, kids often as young as five or six. They go there to get saved, to you know, accept the Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but also to get really drilled by these evangelical Christians, Christ, uh, children's ministers. Um, uh, adults who minister to children uh, to, to minister to these kids about their, their devotion to God. When you watch the film, the reason that it's scary is because this seems uh, less like camp and more like uh, a way that kids are being brainwashed, really young kids in a lot of cases. Um, the camp's pastor is named Becky Fisher, and uh, she's one of the central characters in the film. She is one of the reasons that the film is so disturbing. Uh, pastor Becky Fisher uh, says that Muslims raise their children uh, to be willing to die for Islam, and she would like to do the same for American Christian children. They're going into the schools. You go into Palestine, and I can take you to some websites that will absolutely shake you to your foundations and show you photographs of where they're taking their kids to camps like we take our kids to Bible camps, and they're putting hand grenades in their hands. They're teaching them how to put on bomb belts. They're teaching them how to use rifles. They're teaching them how to use machine guns. It's no wonder with that kind of intense training and discipling that those young people are ready to kill themselves for the cause of Islam. I want to see young people who are as committed to the cause of Jesus Christ as the young people are to the cause of Islam. I want to see them as radically laying down their lives for the gospel as, as they are uh, over in, in Pakistan and in Israel and, and Palestine and all those different places, you know, because we have, excuse me, but we have the truth. <laughs> trying to build an army of Christian suicide bombers among children in America. Joining to talk to me now about Jesus Camp is one of my favorite people in America, Mike Papantonio. He hosts Ring of Fire with Bobby Kennedy Jr. here on Air America Radio on the weekends, one of the best known and most successful trial lawyers in the country. And now in this new film, Jesus Camp, Mike Papantonio stars basically as himself. He stars as the voice of reason in the film. Mike Papantonio, thank you for joining us. Good to hear from you again, yeah. Now, uh, how did you end up getting hooked up with this Jesus Camp documentary? Well, there are a lot of people listening to Air America. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. A lot of people are tuning into Air America, and these directors, they followed the Ring of Fire. 
So Bobby Kennedy and I did a couple of shows on um, kind of the mean-spirited movement that's taking place in the evangelical movement and how it's affecting politics and religion, and they picked up on that. I have to say it is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life, but we should talk about what the what the Jesus Camp idea is is it's basically it, it's a camp that's sort of a bible camp it's more of an evangelism and and right-wing religious right politics camp for kids that's run by um a pastor named becky fisher well right i mean it's not really about just religion what's happening is that religion and politics have become so close that now what i call the political evangelicals they feel comfortable having a special setting to teach their children not just about religion but about politics it's not the word of matthew it's not the word of jesus anymore it's the word of Karl rove and george bush mm. and so these kids are hearing this at four and five years old it's it's, it's nothing short of brainwashing well, you know, and Mike, when you talk about indoctrination, that's really what it seems like. I mean, the film is viscerally scary because you, they use the idea of being born again, of being saved and being recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They use that to say, well, that can happen to kids as young as four and five years old. So at four and five and six and seven years old, we want to put these kids in an environment where they can pray for the president. They can learn about anti-abortion politics and tactics. They can learn about the evils of the liberal culture that they they need to be at war with. They can start to conceive of themselves as warriors and then basically set about to lead a fight against their own country. Yes. It's really that, 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 it's an army. Well, that's the kind of language they use. You, you may recall in the movie where they're dressed up in camouflage and hitting sticks together with with face paint. Yeah, I mean, that was a spooky, spooky scene. You don't grow a church. You don't grow a religion by bombing abortion clinics and, and murdering women clinic doctors or ostracizing everybody who's different or cozying up to rich and powerful. Uh, you, you know, you don't grow a church by being a warmonger. And so all of these things, though, are happening in the evangelical political setting. And there's something going on here, obviously, more than just religion. It's not about the word of God. It's about the word of George Bush. It's a, it's a Republican, mean-spirited message that's being drilled in these kids' head. It is very political, and it's very extreme. But, Mike, I wanted to ask you about how much of the scary stuff that you hear in this film and the scary stuff you hear particularly coming out of these children's ministers' mouths, how much of it is rhetoric and how much of it is to be taken at face value? I mean, we played a clip at the opening of this segment here in which you heard the pastor saying that they wanted children to be prepared to die for Jesus the way that suicide bombers are prepared to die for Islam. I mean, they, they're, they're using some of the most extreme rhetoric I can imagine. How much of it do you think just is rhetoric and how much do you think of it should be taken at face value and seem that well, I, I, I think when you're talking to five or six year old, you have to take all of it seriously. I, I, the, 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 you could call it rhetoric. Yeah, I mean, it can be you, you could say, well, this is all just symbolic language. But when you're dressing a child up in camouflage and you're painting their face and you have them dancing around with sticks, uh, you know, there's something more to that message. It's affecting and it's shaping these kids. And these kids, you, you understand, these kids, they're preparing to be America's leaders. They want them to be on the school boards. They want them to be senators, uh, congressmen, the president, if they can. These kids, this is all they know. These kids have never even been to public schools. They're taught that the, the, the theory of Darwin is the work of the devil. They're taught from the time they can think that the founding fathers told us that if you take God out of politics, that America will be destroyed. This is all they know. They don't have the ability 
uh, they never develop the ability to think for themselves. And it is a very scary thing. I got to tell you something. I looked at there's there's a scene in that movie, the last part where I'm taking off my headphones and I'm just I'm dazed. I'm literally dazed because I just interviewed the woman who runs that camp. And I'm That's just right. thinking, I, I feel like I was talking to an alien. She said un- in, that, in that interview with you, she says to you in the film that democracy is set up to destroy itself because democracy right. requires that you give everyone equal rights and therefore an equal freedom. And therefore, destro- democracy will be destroyed on the earth and the Lord will be the true king. Yes, it's an apocalyptic vision of the world, don't you see? It, it, it is, it's, it, they have to fulfill this prophecy. And, and when you talk to them about it, they are completely, they're waiting for that rapture when they look to the right and they look to the left and, and they're gone, but those, those people, those sinners are still standing there. They're waiting for that day and they believe that George Bush, they honestly believe, Rachel, I'm not exaggerating this one bit. They honestly believe that George Bush has been anointed to take them to that day. That's why it doesn't make any difference whether we invade Iraq or Iran. It doesn't make any difference whether we proliferate a nuclear war over there. It's supposed to happen. Uh, look, I, as you know, I I, I have a very strong Christian background. I, mm-hmm. I'm not down on Christianity. I'm, this this is an abomination of Christianity. And the problem is, Rachel, at the end of the day, what happens when you mix politics and religion is 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 if politics does well, then the religion does well. If the politics drops off the face of the earth, so does religion. You can't tie the two together because every every everything has its day. And it, and, and if you mix those two. Both of them are at risk, politics and religion. The devil goes after the young. Those who cannot fend for themselves. That's why we're trying to help you. We're trying to warn you. And while I'm on the subject, let me say something about Harry Potter. Warlocks are enemies of God. And I don't care what kind of hero they are. They're an enemy of God. And had it been in the Old Testament, Harry Potter would have been put to death. 